Well, one of the things that we have been thinking about as we've been going through, and this is a this is a topic that Proverbs keeps returning to, is how we live in the light of death and mortality. How we live now in the light of death and, and mortality. And that's something which the teacher keeps returning to, thinking about thinking about life and thinking about death and what, what we need to learn. And um, it's, I, I think this is a really helpful book for us to be looking at at the moment because we live in a, a world which does seem to have a um, difficulty with death. That death is very often something which our world tries to, to brush over. People don't really talk about it. And um, you remember, if you were here last week, there was a, a, uh, the MP Charles Walker said, it, it seems at the moment like we're trying, for the best of reasons, but we're trying to abolish death. That's what the government are trying to do with, um, with the lockdown and with everything, the restrictions that have been going on. So how should we, as Christians, uh, respond to death? And how, what, what sort of lessons should we learn from it? So we're going to look at that from another angle uh, this week, and that's what the Ecclesiastes are. It sort of keeps coming back from different angles um, to look at these things and to see what we can learn from this passage in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. So um, we'll take uh, verses um, 1 to 6 uh, together. Verses 1 to 6, which I, I've just said, death is certain for, uh, for everyone. He starts out by saying, I reflected on this and concluded that the righteous and wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. So it's all in God's hands, and we don't really know what awaits us in the future. And that's, I think, a very wise uh, lesson to, to learn, isn't it? That whatever happens to us, it's in God's hands, and none of us really know what, uh, what lies ahead of us in the future. He said, but, he says, one thing is certain, verse 2, all share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who are not. Um, it's the same with the good and the sinful, with those who take oaths, with those who are afraid to take them. So whatever kind of a person you are, or whether you're, as he says, the good and the bad, or the good and the sinful, whether you're righteous or wicked, there is one destiny, and that is, that is death. But the question is, how will we respond to that? Because there are different ways of, of responding to that. And he says in verse 3, um, this is the, uh, the evil and everything that happens. The same destiny overtakes all. So it's, it is an evil thing, death. And he recognises that. But, he says, the hearts of people are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterwards they join the dead. So he says that the, the fear of death, the the thought of death drives people mad. The thought of death drives people mad. And uh, I think we can all see the truth in that, can't we? That people don't like thinking about what lies ahead. And people find all sorts of ways, even ways which appear to be mad, of, of trying to avoid that thought. And he goes on in verses 5 and 6, he talks about um, uh, the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. Um, he says, um, their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. E even their name is forgotten. 
So how many people, how many people have tried to avoid death by trying to become immortal? Um, you think about the number of empires that there have been. Think about the number of Caesars that there were. People who, who want their name written in history. And people who, people who, who want to be remembered, who want to live forever, in, in, in have the biggest empire, have the, uh, the biggest name in the world. Um, have the most number of possessions, have all of you know, everything that this world has to offer. And how many of them are now being forgotten? And that's the thing, isn't it? That you know, we can't rise above death by the things that we do. You now we can't, at the end of the day, death takes away everything that, that we've worked for in the end. You know, all of our possessions, they say you can't take it with you. Um, the empires that we built won't last. You know, all of those things get taken away. We can't rise above it. But there's something else as well. There's another way of, uh, of, of trying to, to face death, the madness. That's in verses 11 and 12. We'll look at the, the end of the passage before we go back to the middle. Verses 11 and 12, which is that time and chance happen to everyone. Verse 11, he says, The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant, but time and chance happen to them all. So what he says is, it's not always the one, the one that you would expect to win is not always the one who wins. I was um, thinking about this. Uh, I thought about, um, do, do any of you like Wimbledon? Um, you know, the, some, of you, some of you don't, some of you might do, I know, but uh, I like Wimbledon. And uh, there was a, a tennis match back in, um, I think this was 2001 when this happened. You know, Tim Henman, the British, the British tennis player, and we were all hoping, and you know, Pete Sampras got knocked out, and everyone thought, oh, it might be Tim Henman's year, the bogeyman's out, you know, it might be Tim Henman's chance. And he got, I think, to the semi-finals, and he was playing against a man called Goran Ivanisevic. And, uh, and he was doing pretty well, Tim Henman. He was, um, he was uh, I think... Um, uh, a, set, a set up and uh, it looked like he was going great guns then there was a rain delay and you know something they went in overnight came out the next morning and um, Goran Ivanisevic came on with all guns blazing and he won and uh, everyone was very disappointed including me um, but that's the thing isn't it that time and chance happen to everyone it may seem like you've got every, every earthly chance but it doesn't always work like that, does it? We know that the fastest runner doesn't always win the race. They could trip and fall. Um, they could have a bad day. Whatever happens. Uh, all of that kind of thing, we know that this happens. And even in verse 12, we can't control the day of our death or, or what happens to us. It says, moreover, no one knows when that hour will come. Um, as fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. So even the, the most that we can do in this life, the most that we can do will not, will not stop evil times, will not stop death from coming upon us. I thought about, um, uh, there was a writer called Douglas Adams, and uh, he wrote the, the book um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which you, you may know. And uh, he... Uh, I looked this up this morning, actually. Um, he was in a gym, in a private gym in, in America. He'd moved to California. 
and he was um, on, a, on a running machine and he was taking a break and he basically just dropped dead um, of, a, of a heart attack at the age of 49 uh, and he was otherwise healthy and you think, you know, there he was exercising and doing everything that you're supposed to do to kind of prevent that from happening and yet he died. You know, even, even the things that you're supposed to do can't stop us from, from dying and can't stop our time from coming uh, when it is time. So how should we live? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? Given this, how should we live? How should we live? This is what verses 7 to 10 are about. So the, the teacher, he says, verse 7, go. I love that command. Go. Eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. Now, eat and drink with gladness and joy. Why? For God has already approved what you do. It says God has, has given us this, this to live. God doesn't want us to be unhappy. God doesn't want us to sort of creep around in fear of death all the time. That God wants us to live. That's what life is about. God wants us to live and wants us to enjoy things in life. And he says, always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. The person I was, um, the sort of commentary I was reading about this said um, this was about um, you know, the joy. That this was something which people did in, in joyful times. Um, which I think is probably true. I mean, I, I thought as well about the white clothes from Revelation about you know, being righteous as well and seeking to do what's right because um, that's something that we've seen quite a few times in Ecclesiastes uh, over the past few weeks haven't we to, be, to do what is right living righteously um, which is really important and it says enjoy life uh, with your wife and, uh, and to um, whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might and uh, it says that you might as well you know enjoy enjoy marriage enjoy the things that you do and whatever things that God has given you to do, whatever that may be, to enjoy it and to do it with all your might. Put your heart and soul into it. Enjoy all the blessings of life as a gift from God. Because life, as we've seen again many times as we've been looking at Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, life is a gift. It's not gain. It's not something that we need to try and grab on and hold on to everything and get as much of it as possible but that God gives us life as a gift. And God gives us the good things that we have as a gift to be enjoyed. Um, so what should, we, what should we make of this as we um, think about how we, can, how we can put this into practice? Let's take this into, into next week. I, think, I was thinking about this and thinking about the ways in which death can make us go mad, as it were. And I think there are two different ways from this passage that that it can happen. And the first thing is that we can focus on getting everything in this life so that we, it makes us forget. And I think some people do do that. You know, they want to have the biggest house, they want to have the biggest car, the most money, all of those things in this life to try and forget the fact that they're going to, you know, they're going to die one day. I think some people do that. And the other way I think that we can, that death makes people mad is by focusing so much on staying alive that they forget to live. Now I think our society has, um, you can see both of those things. Um, I think there is a particular issue at the moment with the second one, 
we're focusing so much on staying alive that we actually forget to live. Uh, because that's sort of what's happened over the last six months, haven't we? You know, the, the government have been so, so focused on one thing, on one form of, of, of uh, one virus, that we're unable to see friends, family, grandchildren, we're unable to worship with songs in the church, in, to be singing together, um, you know, we're unable to um, have tea and coffee afterwards and uh, many things. And, um, and yet this is, I mean, sometimes I have to wonder, what would God make of all of this? You know, what would God make of all of this? Especially given what we've just read in Ecclesiastes. And how should we seek to live well? Well, I think learning to live well in Ecclesiastes is learning to accept. And I'm just going to finish with three things to accept, to help us to think about. The first thing is to accept that we can't definitely lengthen our days. That at the end of the day, you can do all the right things and, and your life can still be cut short. We can't, at the end of the day, guarantee we can extend our lives by, by one day. You know, it's in God's hands, not in our hands. And that doesn't mean that you know, well, I'll go out and run in front of the bus out there afterwards. Obviously, that doesn't mean that. But that at the end of the day, we have to do what we can and trust that God has it in hand, whatever that may mean. That you know, we can't control, we can't you know, make a hair of our head change the colour of its hair, as Jesus said. So we need to accept that we can't definitely lengthen our days, that it's in God's hands. We need to accept life as a gift from God. And, uh, and live for him. Because God does give us life as a gift. And the things that we have to enjoy are given as a gift from God. And, and we should enjoy them. And we should seek to, to live for him. And, you know, to, and that means living for him. Now, it means doing the things that God wants us to. Loving one another. Uh, being kind to each other. Um, you know, having those kind of relationships. And showing our love in, in all sorts of different ways. That's... Uh, a big way in which God has, has given us to live. And the third and final thing is accept that we can't have it all and be content with what God gives us. You know, God, he's very generous, and I can say um, for myself, and I'm sure many of you could echo the same thing, that God's given me far more than I deserve. And I know that that is true uh, for me. And God is, is immensely generous now, we can't have it all, but we can be grateful to God for the things that he does give us. And we can be content uh, with that and not kind of seek, constantly seek after uh, more things. So let's accept uh, that we can't lengthen our days. Let's accept that our lives are gifts from God. And let's accept what he gives us with gratitude and, and thanksgiving. Amen. Okay.